0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Talk Down Syndrome Podcast. I am your host Chantel Holm, and today we are bringing you inspirational story number twelve. And her name is Nikki. She's going to be sharing her journey with her son that had Down syndrome. So I'll be bringing her in shortly. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, and I am chugging away and i hope you guys are um enjoying these episodes as much as i am so um go ahead and sit back relax and we're gonna bring nikki in right now hold on welcome to the talk down syndrome podcast Hey guys, I have Nikki Brown on the phone, who is joining us today for our 12th Inspirational Story. Welcome, Nikki.
1: Thank you, I'm
0: glad to be here. I'm glad you're here too. Um, Nikki, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Um, So I'm 29 years old, I'm married. Um, My husband was in the military. We have four daughters, and then we had our first son, Elisha, this year.
0: And Elijah was born with Down syndrome?
1: He was. We um, So when I was 18 weeks old, we found out we were having a boy. Um, and then my doctor, he kept hounding me about getting tested for Down syndrome. And um, I kept, like, avoiding it. I was like, you know, my other kids don't have it. I don't need to get the test done. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And so he just would not let it be. So I finally agreed, like, if you just leave me alone about it, I'll let you test me for mm-hmm. it. Like, my, it's mm-hmm. fine. He's yeah. fine. And then um, the test came back maybe like three days after we found out he was a boy. Um, And that was just the NIPT, I believe. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So that one said it was a 1 in 17 chance of Down syndrome. Um, And then, like, you know, me and my husband, like, we didn't know anything about Down syndrome. I don't Mm -hmm. think I've ever even met someone that had Down syndrome Mm -hmm. at that point. So we were just really lost. Like, we didn't know, you know, what this meant for our future, what this meant for him. Um, so we were just so confused and lost. And then, um, so my husband, his other daughter, she had open heart surgery when she was six months old. So because of that, my doctor wanted to schedule us to have an echo of his heart done and get the full anatomy scan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we actually, before that, a couple of days before that, we had got, um, another test, the blood test to confirm that he had Down syndrome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I neglected to get the, um, I forget what it's called, but it's where they go in and take the fluid out. Uh,
0: of- amniocentesis?
1: Yeah, so we chose not to get that because I was too scared about it. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point I was like, you know, I'm gonna love him no matter what. So, you know, we didn't get that test done. Mm-hmm. Um, But I had the ultrasound done, and they found several markers of Down syndrome. He had an absent nasal bone, um, fluid on his kidneys. He had what's called a bright bowel, which Mm -hmm. is like another marker. Um, And then that's when they told us that he wasn't growing at all, Um, and he was like eight weeks behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that day was, you know, hard enough. And then a few days after that is when we had the echo done. And you know, we—I didn't really understand what it meant for us that he wasn't growing. You know, yeah. so we were still trying to process that.
0: And did the doctors uh, like tell you like that that was maybe like not normal? But is, did they kind of like make you feel at ease, like oh, he's not growing, but you know, he'll catch well, they up? Did. Yeah,
1: yeah, because they said a lot of kids with Down syndrome—that's another marker—is they have shorter femurs. Yeah, and but with him being behind, they told us that could be a part of that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and the measurements were everywhere, like his leg and his arm were complete, like 18 weeks. One was 16 weeks. It was just so confusing. Hmm. Um, and the doctor um, that we had, he just immediately wanted us to get an abortion even before we had the um, echo done of his heart. because oh, wow. He was like, yeah, like he pressed us really hard, and he was like, you know, I'm so sorry, but, you know, I think you'll be better off just getting an abortion oh and not going through this.
0: Because you I did he say have- that as a doctor?
1: He did, yeah. um, because I did have severe um, high blood pressure, yeah. and he felt like the pregnancy was going to cause me to have, um can't think of the name, so many women get it. I'm having a brain fart oh. right now. Um, preeclampsia oh yeah pre-clampsia. so he thought I was developing that um, so anyway we decided not to because um, I don't believe abortions anyway um, so we went in for our echo and the tech she was there forever and she looked so confused and me and my husband were getting confused and she was like I need to have the doctors come in and do this I can't do your ultrasound so oh. like we got scared and like I just felt like something was really wrong and then they had three doctors come in and one doctor did the ultrasound and the other two watched and they kept going over his heart over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and then of course they're
0: using all this medical terminology that you're probably like what what does this mean yeah we
1: didn't know what was going on but I knew we were scared like we knew something was really wrong Mm -hmm. and They were like well we need to step out and talk to each other and we'll be back in with you and they didn't tell us anything so and they kept going over his heart rhythm over and over and over so we were really confused Um, but they came back in they set us down and they told us that he was in the final stages of heart failure Mm -hmm. they asked us if we wanted to go to labor and delivery and be induced um, and that would give us the option of holding him so he passed or we could just go home and wait it out until I don't feel him move anymore mm-hmm. and then go to the hospital, and then they would induce me.
0: Yeah. So wait, uh, what, what? how many weeks or months was this at in your pregnancy? I was 22 weeks at, 22 at that weeks. point. Okay. Yeah. So what did and you they, guys end up doing?
1: Well, and they also told us um, that because he was so little, there was no intervention they could do to save him mm-hmm. because the three holes he had in his heart was causing the blood to flow in the opposite chambers mm. and he had severe fluid on his lungs and his spine and his brain because of the heart failure. Mm. And they also told us that he had horseshoe kidneys. Um, what is that? but I, it's like where your kidneys can join. They don't separate. Oh, um, but we funny. later found out that he didn't have that. Oh, okay. Huh? Um, so, so we just went home and we prayed and we cried all day long yes. and I was scared and afraid. And, I didn't know what to do, to be honest. And Mm -hmm. um, the next day came and I was still feeling him move. So we were just like shocked. And the very next day, I went and got my maternity pictures done on the beach because that was something I really wanted.
0: Yeah.
1: So we were just prepared to lose him. And at that that point, we were planning for a funeral. We were calling funeral home.
0: Oh my God, it was so hard.
1: we didn't really have any hope that elijah would even be here i mean because the way they told us and the way we felt i mean i just didn't see how he could possibly survive Mm -hmm. so then i had went to my next appointment a few days later for a follow-up with my doctor and um he was still moving good heartbeat and my doctor was like i don't even know how you're in here like i don't even know how his heartbeat is this good So at that point, he sent me over to maternal fetal medicine. He didn't want to um, provide care anymore um, at this point because, you know, he felt like it would be better for the baby if I seen the high-risk doctor. So I started seeing them twice a week, um, and then I was getting, like, weekly Dopplers done. And then um, I didn't really feel Elijah move a lot because he was so little, so I went to labor and delivery, it seemed like, every other day. Yeah, Um, so yeah, the weeks kept coming and it was just a miracle. We didn't even know, like, we couldn't even explain it. You know, the doctor couldn't explain it. Um, and then he he
0: wanted to meet his mom and dad in real life.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, we had lost so much hope and then it was like, as the days went on, like, you know, we were just praying and praying and, you know, we're like, maybe God's answering our prayers. And then, as I went to our appointments, um, the blood flow was reversed. Um, and then it got better for a couple weeks Mm -hmm. and then, um, his heart failure started to get better. The Mm -hmm. fluid on his lungs was gone. Um, so it was just, it was just a miracle. Mm -hmm. And then, um, when I was 28 weeks, I went in for another Doppler and they told me like his heart rate was like 80. It was, it was getting bad at that point. Um, no, I'm sorry. I had him at 28. I was 25 because oh. I spent three weeks in the hospital before I had him. Mm-hmm. But they sent me over there to have him that day when I was 25 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily they have um, steroids they can give you um, to prepare the baby's lungs. Mm-hmm. And in return, it helps with the cord flow. Um, so that helped us get Elijah to 28 weeks.
0: Okay.
1: And then um, so the day I had him that whole night like I had the worst back pain I wasn't in labor but like I was crying the whole night and Mm -hmm. I just felt something was really off and I kept telling them and they wouldn't listen to me and then at 8 o'clock the next morning um, I had the like severe back pain Mm -hmm. and the nurse came in to listen to his heart and I just started screaming in pain when she touched me and um right then and there they rushed me to surgery cuz his heartbeat was like 25 30 mm-hmm. um and they had him out in 10 minutes and i remember waking up from sur- cuz you know they had to um put me to sleep mm-hmm. for the surgery cuz i had a stat c section um i woke up and my husband came in there and at this point they told us he was only going to be 12 grams that's what the ultrasound had showed so he wasn't even you know, a pound. Mm-hmm. Um, so I woke up wanting to hold him, you know, because we had, even at this point, the doctors told us he would not survive. Mm-hmm. Um, they were going to do everything they could for him. Um, so my husband came in and he told me, he was like, You would be so happy to hear this. Elijah made it. He's a pound mm-hmm. and two ounces. He's on the ventilator. He's doing good. And I was just, I was oh. so shocked.
0: Oh, wow. So yeah. when did you, did they let you go in there and hold him or did you have to wait a little bit? I
1: had to wait till the next morning.
0: Oh my gosh, that so, is so good.
1: Yeah, and then they came in there. I was probably like two hours after I had him. They made me sign papers for a blood transfusion, a platelet transfusion. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to sign papers for him to get a PICC line put in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, that was really scary because I at that point, you know, I was still pretty heavily sedated on medication, and yeah. I, I didn't know what was going on or what was going to happen.
0: When you had him, um, you said he came out like 10 minutes. Did you have him C-section or vaginal?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they, um, they rushed me to surgery. I didn't even have time to call my husband to get up there. Oh, wow. Like she like I said, she put the Doppler on me. Mm-hmm. And the, they were doing morning rounds. So the doctors were right outside my room about to come in. So I was very lucky to have them right there. Um so yeah, they put the oxygen on me and rushed me to surgery. They cut off my clothes, took my phone, and then I was out. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Oh my god. So gosh. I didn't I mean, I was crying, and I I remember telling the nurse, "Like, I don't want to die." I was so scared.
0: Oh, and you didn't even have time to talk to your husband or call him.
1: No, they actually called him to come up there, and he was already on his way to the hospital. Um, But we lived an hour away, so.
0: I'm all I'm all stressed out right now for you, even though our dude passed away. Yeah.
1: It was so stressful just getting him here, you know? Yeah.
0: Like, even though the times passed, I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds so stressful. It oh.
1: was, it was crazy. And then, you know, um, we were in the middle of the Corona pandemic. It had just started. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was in the hospital for three weeks. I couldn't see my kids. Um, mm-hmm. I was basically trapped in a jail cell. Um, trying to get Elijah here safely.
0: Yeah. When was I, when was Elijah born? April 18th. Oh, that was the beginning of the pandemic.
1: It was. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: that literally was like the very beginning. So yeah. um, so when what was it like for you when you got to first see your son?
1: Um, It was kind of scary
0: because, mm-hmm.
1: you know, I didn't know what to do. Like he was hooked up to all these cords and his eyes were covered up and I didn't I didn't even know we could touch him. And the nurse was like, you can hold his hand. And I remember being so scared because I was afraid I would break his hand or hurt him. And I think I was more into um, being there for him than I was for myself. Yeah. So, um, you know, I would just sit there in pain. And the first day that we seen him, I just I, I just cried and cried. Um, and my husband, he was across the room, and I kept wanting him to come over there, but I, he just couldn't do it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was too much for him, mm-hmm. um, just to know that we have a one-pound baby, and they're on a breathing tube and a ventilator, mm-hmm. and at that point, I didn't know what any of this meant for him.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so it was pretty scary, the first day meeting him.
0: I remember, like, my daughter was in NICU for two weeks, but I remember the doctors telling me, like... The baby's in nicu it's the best place for the baby to be right now with all the help and nurses and staff at like their beck and call you know so that that was always reassuring to me because um like like you i um i had the her vaginally but like i was like the next day i was like i want to get up and start walking like i didn't want to heal i didn't care about healing i was like i'm good i can I'm good. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like your, your mother instincts kick in and you're like, I need to be there for my child. Like, and they're like, you, you're okay. You don't want to stay here and like rest. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I just want to get up. I'll start breastfeeding. I'll do whatever you need. You know, I need to get yeah. back. I need to get my, me- my mental state healthy so I could be there.
1: And- yeah, that's very true. I remember like that night, when they released me and I left the hospital without him, I mm-hmm. like it was so strange because I was having nightmares and I was hearing babies cry in my oh, sleep.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: It was just horrible, and yeah. you know I thought this is what moms go through that leave the NICU without their baby.
0: Yeah. Like it's horrible. Yeah, I was there too. I remember feeling like I need to be here for my child and NICU, but I also have another child. I have other other children too. It was like hard because you're yeah. like, I also have to be here, but then I have to be here. But then where do I find time to be here for myself? And, you know, in my space too, because, you know, you go home and like you said, you have other kids, right?
1: Yeah, I have four girls and we moved to Virginia last summer from Missouri. So we have absolutely no support, no mm-hmm. help.
0: Yeah. And so it was like, a challenge. Yeah, it's a big challenge. I, I definitely know how you feel leaving the hospital, like. Not knowing what's going to happen and having your child in the hands of other people. I mean, although the staff is excellent, it's still like, you know, I remember because did you go back and visit him daily? Did they oh, yeah. You,
1: I or? think I only missed two days in oh, the good. four months he was there. Good. I yeah. mean, another, I made it there every day and I just, I had so much guilt. Like, even though I was there every day, I had a lot of guilt. Like, I couldn't be there enough as much as I wanted to be with him. Yeah. But, um, you know, there were other moms in the NICU that came like once a week. So, you know, oh, that kind of yeah. helped me feel much better about trying to balance my life at home with his life there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, for me, I was always afraid something was going to happen and I was going to be gone. And, you know, it takes me an hour to get there because where I live, we have to go under the ocean in a tunnel just to get to his hospital.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So we
1: had, yeah, we had a huge barrier between us. And if it ever flooded where he was at, I couldn't get across. Um, oh, my so gosh.
0: Pretty, <laughs> this is, yeah. like, horrible. I, I would, like, I would literally just lose my cool, <laughs> like, if that ever happened. And
1: because, well, and because of COVID, yeah. the Ronald McDonald house was closed down.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, so we couldn't even stay there with our kids and be close to him.
0: Oh, my gosh. So, um, well, luckily so- that didn't happen. And, um, so he was in NICU and, um, you got to visit him every day. And do you want to talk about up leading to the last days of his life?
1: Yeah. Um, so like I said, like his first couple days were really hard. Um, he was getting like blood transfusions, platelet transfusions. He had the PICC line in, he was on the ventilator. Um, he was having thyroid issues. Um, and then he also had, um, abnormal newborn screens, which mm-hmm. most states do, where they test for um, very rare disorders in children. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had his first one done when he was a week old, um, and that was abnormal. And then um, also when he was a week old, um, they called the hospital. We were actually on our way up there, and they told us it was emergency and we needed to get up there soon. So we were actually in the parking lot when they called. So we flew up there. And let me tell you, it was a whole process, even yeah. to get to his room. Like, we had to use the parking garage, and we had to get our parking pass stamped. We had to check in at the front office. Ugh. Then we had to go to the elevator, mm-hmm. go to the, his floor. Then we had to check in with the receptionist out there, wait mm-hmm. for them to buzz us in. Then we had to wash in and wait for the nurse mm-hmm. to take us in his room. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. was such a
0: problem. Especially Just because it. it was right beginning where everybody was freaking out with the COVID and, yeah. like, you know.
1: Yeah, so it took us forever. It felt like to get to his room, um, but yeah, the first week they, um, when we went in there, they had been working on him for about thirty minutes to an hour, um, doing CPR on him. Mm-hmm. Um, both of his lungs collapsed and that's when we found out he had pulmonary hypertension. Mm-hmm. So they had to switch him to the jet ventilator. Mm-hmm. And then they also had to put him on nitric gas for his lungs. And that's when we found out he had a uh, severe chronic lung disease. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I didn't really know what knew what all that meant.
0: Yeah. Um, I
1: thought it meant he was a preemie. He was going to be okay. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so then, um, as the weeks went on, um, He was sick for a while. I mean, it was a struggle every day. Um, And getting him to gain weight was a real struggle because Mm -hmm. they didn't start feeding him until he was almost a month old.
0: Wow, really? Yeah. Not even through the tube? The G-tube? No,
1: he was getting TPN because Mm -hmm. he was too unstable and his lung disease was so bad Mm -hmm. that they couldn't push a lot of fluid. So he was fluid restricted. Mm -hmm. And um, we also found out that You know, he had the three holes in his heart. So he had a a VSD and two ASDs and he had a PDA. Mm -hmm. So his heart was in pretty bad shape when he was born. And then when he was about three or four weeks old, they repeated the echo um, because they did tell us he would need open heart surgery. But he was nowhere near having that. Um, and they found out that all the holes in his heart healed up on their own. Mm -hmm. And they told us that's something that almost never happens in the NICU babies that are born with heart
0: defects. Wow. Well, that's good. It's some like light of hope, you know, it
1: was, it was so amazing. We, we just cannot believe that they healed up on their own. Like, and you know, he was in heart failure because of these holes in his heart, um, so that was pretty amazing, and then um, we, like I said, we kept having the um, abnormal newborn screens they did every few weeks, and they told us that they thought that he might have skid, which is um, basically where you don't have any immune cells. It's mm-hmm. like several combined autoimmune diseases together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so they did a genetic test to find out if he had skid. Um, And we were waiting on that. That test takes like six weeks to come back. Mm -hmm. So while we were waiting on that, um, Elijah was starting to get better. Um, They finally, you know, started feeding him and he wasn't getting any medication. Like he was, he was doing really good at that point. Um, So they went to take out his pick line that had been in for six weeks Mm -hmm. and they couldn't get it out. They tried like, four or five different times. Um, and it would not come out. And this is something that like never happens. The doctor told us that he's never seen this happen. (laughs) So at that point, um, he was trying to find somebody to do surgery on him, but nobody would touch him because he was only two pounds at that point.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so the very next day, um, I came up to the hospital and his primary nurse was there and, you know, me and her, she spent so much time with him and she yeah. loved Electra so much. Yeah. She was such a blessing for us. But, you know, me and her looked at him and we were like, something's off. Like he doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. He he's real lethargic. We just knew something was really wrong. So she had had the doctor ordered like a stat um, panel to t- to test for infection and all that. Mm-hmm. And we found out that he had E. coli. Oh
0: my god. And gosh. he was
1: septic. Um, so that very, I believe it was the next day. Yeah. I think it was the very next morning. He had a spinal tap done to see if he had meningitis. Um, and it came back that he did have meningitis. Um, so he was severely ill and the doctor actually told us that, um, with E. Coli gram negative meningitis is, which is what Elijah had. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the most severe kind you can get and 95% of babies don't survive that get it. Mm -hmm um so he was sick with that for almost a month maybe five weeks it took him a long time to get better
0: Um, did he get the E. coli from the pick line like maybe it got infected or how how that's
1: what they thought but um from what the doctors told us and um i don't want to go too much into it but they believe it was from um Mm -hmm. nurses not properly wearing gloves and not wearing gloves at all. And that happened quite a bit. And I had several discussions with the team about their staff wearing gloves. So I had to put signs in his room, um, for everyone to wear gloves. So I'm not sure if that's where it came from. I mean,
0: Um, how can you even prove that, you know, besides, yeah, that's, I mean, it's hard to say, but,
1: um, the biggest factor for Elijah was the fact that, um, he, we later found out he didn't have skid. he, they thought he had what was called X-linked gamma globin anemia, mm-hmm. which is where you don't have B immune cells to fight off bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, then we found out he didn't have that, that he just does not have B immune cells mm-hmm. related to his Trisomy 21. Mm-hmm. Um, so his, um, immunologist doctor, she told us that she treats several patients that have down syndrome that mm-hmm. don't have immune cells and there's no link disorder to why they don't have it other than just their genetics. Yeah. Um, so that could have been a cause of it. Um, cause I
0: know like, um, like some, like with my daughter, we can't like give her really too much medication, like a cough medicine or anything like that. Cause the immune cells And like I know some parents out there who don't use medicine at all, and their children are older. They use like herb, like herbals, teas, stuff like that, oils, because of like the immune issue. So it is kind of it is kind of like known. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and he he had to um because of that he had to get IVIG treatments monthly. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, and each time he got a treatment, it was horrible. I mean, um. Almost like two or three days after each treatment, he would need to be transfused. They mm-hmm. made him really sick, and yeah. we couldn't figure out why. Um, but yeah, after the meningitis is when he got diagnosed with just not having the B immune cells that he needed.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and he, he got off the nitric, and his pulmonary hypertension went away for a while. Um, so after the meningitis, he did good. for. We had like a really good month. Um, When he was 69 days old, he got extubated. So Mm -hmm. he got his tube out and the very next day we took him off the ventilator. Um, And he was on high flow and he did so good. I mean, he was starting to gain weight, Mm -hmm. he was getting milk, he was doing so well. And that lasted for about four weeks. And then out of nowhere, he just, um, his need for oxygen just kept getting higher and higher. And then he had got another infection and then they had him on antibiotics for like three days. And then a doctor, a different doctor came in and felt like that he didn't have an infection and that the test wasn't accurate. Mm -hmm. So they actually stopped treatment um, and they started him back on the DART protocol for steroids. And he did good for about six days. And then as soon as the steroids were off, um, he went downhill pretty quickly after that and they retested him and we found out he still had the infection. Mm-hmm. So, um, at that point he got moved back down to the critical NICU cause he was on like a step down NICU cause he was doing really well.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so they moved him back down there and then, um, they had to reintubate him. So they had to put him back on the ventilator. Um, and that was August 5th. They put him back on the ventilator and, um, it just, his pulmonary hypertension came back. And, um, at this point it was causing his heart to fail. Mm -hmm. So they had to put him on heart failure medication Mm -hmm. and he was back on everything. I mean, we were just reliving the same nightmare Mm -hmm. that he had beat. That was the day they called us in and told us he was going to pass away. So we were able to get our kids up there to meet him. Because of the pandemic, they never got to meet Elijah.
0: Oh, and yeah, they wouldn't allow kids in ours either.
1: Nope. So they never got to meet him until that day. Um, and we had an amazing day that day with Elijah. Um, and he was kind of active, not really like he would like squeeze their hand or open one eye. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad that they had that interaction with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really thought that day he was going to pass away. Um, and the doctor, they set us down in the room and they told us, you know, how severe his lung disease was. Mm-hmm. They started him on Sidenafil, Um, and that actually made him worse. <sighs> um, so we were at a point where they tried everything and there was nothing else they could do. And at this point, like, he he was like in the sixties and seventies on his oxygen, and before they could bag him, I'm not sure if you know what that means, uh-huh. but it's where they get them off the ventilator and give them manual breaths with the little handheld machine.
0: Oh yeah, okay, I could picture what it is.
1: Yeah, so they were bagging him like I don't know three or four times a day, and before when they bagged him, he would come back up to a hundred percent, but. We were at the point, like, where bagging him was no longer working, and he would just suffer for hours, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm adding low, trying to get back up high, Mm -hmm. and then his lungs were collapsing, the left one, then the right one, then both of them. So we were just at a point where there was nothing else we could do.
0: Was this uh, the same day, on August 19th?
1: um, He passed away on August 25th. so, yeah, the doctors, they told us um, the only other thing they could do for him was put him on a paralytic mm-hmm. to help. Because, oh, Elijah was so feisty. He fought everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, <laughs> everything they did, he fought. Um, and they had him heavily sedated, and he still fought through that.
0: Oh. He have he seems like that he's been, through those four months, in a roller coaster of good health and then going down to bad and then good again, you know? Yeah
1: us and you know we got so hopeful and I got so wrapped up in my faith that like this was so far in the back of my mind like I knew that he was coming home like I knew that we would get through this like he's been through this and he went through that and he made it every time the doctors told us no God told us yes and I just knew that he would beat this but Um, he had an emergency surgery, um, on the 17th to put in a central line, um, Mm -hmm. because he was too unstable. They couldn't even touch him without him dropping his oxygen. So they did like a bedside surgery and put in a central line. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, like I said, on the 19th, we chose to start him on the paralytic. And usually when you're on a paralytic, you can't move, but Mm -hmm. Elijah was still moving and still fighting us. Mm Mm-hmm. So they gave him like a second dose of it, um, and then finally that calmed him down. And I guess we were all hoping that with the paralytic that his lungs would heal and grow new tissue and it would just help him not fight the ventilator, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't help. Um, it, it kept him alive. That's basically all it was doing. And then um, we were maxed out on support, so they had put him on the osculator. And then we were maxed out on support on that. So there was, you know, nothing else we could do for him other than keep him alive. Uh, but I, I chose on my own. And I talked to my husband and I talked to his doctor. And um, I chose to take him off support because I just, I couldn't let him suffer another
0: day. Yeah. Uh, that's a hard decision. It is. Like, my eyes are tearing up right now. <laughs> like, why didn't you tell me to bring tissue? i can only think about how hard that might be for you it was i'm sorry i'm crying i'm usually really good at my emotions
1: yeah i just wanted him home but i couldn't live with myself knowing that i was letting him suffer and being selfish
0: yeah i mean you know you you want your children to be healthy and happy you know that's pretty much it right to be healthy and happy. And I could only, I can only imagine how you would feel if you were there every day going through these up and down battles and you had to make the right choice and you had to, what is the best choice for my, my son, you know?
1: Yeah. And you know, like I, I tell everyone even today and we, his story has went so far, like I've shared his life with so many people and Just through him alone, so many people have reached out and, you know, they didn't know about Down syndrome and all these great things have Mm -hmm. came from his life. But, you know, I, I never expected that I would even get to hold him, you know. Mm -hmm. So even though he's gone, you know, I tell my husband all the time, like, we were given four months that we were denied. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, we were given so much from him that Mm -hmm. every doctor told us that would never happen you know even when we had him they they told us it was a 30 percent chance he would live but because he had Down syndrome we needed to cut that in half to about 10 to 15 percent and I actually seen the other day because it's you know the Down Syndrome Awareness Month one of my friends Mm -hmm. shared that um, babies born premature with Down syndrome are 24 times likely to pass
0: mm-hmm. in the
1: first 28 days. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So, you know, just knowing that he, he,
0: he was there for so animation. long. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's amazing.
0: He's really strong because all the medication insert or medication and different techniques that they did on him. And he's just like a warrior, you know, he's a strong he, baby. But
1: <laughs> he was so strong and like, and even through all the medication and all the pain, like, he would smile in his yeah. sleep. Yeah, I was looking
0: at your pictures, and I could see some of them where he's, like, grinning. <laughs> yes, oh
1: he would laugh all the time in his sleep. And then, like, the, the picture of where he has, like, this little attitude on his face.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was, like, looking at me like, that's.
1: They that's- gave him a roommate that was a girl, and she wouldn't quit crying <laughs> he never heard like another baby cry cause yeah. he like almost never cried and he did not
0: like it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, why am I sleeping next to her? She's not letting I... me rest. <laughs> oh,
1: That's very true. He yeah. Personality so, already. Yeah. So we just, you know, we shared his life with everyone, our ups, our downs, the good, mm-hmm. the bad. Um, and it's been one heck of a journey.
0: Yeah
1: you know,
0: how, um, how is, how would you say, um, that this whole experience like shaped you as a person? Because I know you mentioned, you know, you're at that point when you're going through stuff, you know, you reached out to religion and God and you became, how your faith was strong after he passed away. Um, did you keep a strong faith after that? Or what was your like mind frame and thinking at that time?
1: Like, I think, you know, just witnessing every miracle and the doctors, like, they would just look at me like, how is this possible? Like, it's nobody but God, like, we can't do this, Yeah, you know, like, so I think watching Elijah even be here, just strengthen my faith, let, faith like, I know without a doubt, God is real. Yeah, You know, since he passed away, like, I have felt him so strongly and I felt God so strongly and I haven't been as bad as I thought I would be losing him. Yeah. Like I, I think it's because I found so much peace and knowing that he passed away peacefully mm-hmm. and that we did the right thing for Elijah. And, um, so he sends me signs all the time. And I was, was going to
0: ask you that I was going to ask you, do you ever get like things throughout the day where it's just like, I mean, of course you think of him 24 seven, you're going to, <laughs>
1: every single day it's it's a crazy story and I've shared this with everyone but Mm -hmm. I had ordered my husband this um lighter for Father's Day which Mm -hmm. was when Elijah was like two weeks old and it had Elijah's picture engraved on it and then on the back it said happy Father's Day love your only son Elijah so anyway the lighter never came and I filed a dispute with PayPal I thought it was a scam and Ironically, on the day of Elijah's funeral, I got home. I had dropped my family off at the airport. I came home. The mail came, and the lighter was in the mail. Oh,
0: wow!
1: Yeah, it was amazing. Like a gift.
0: Like oh, it gives me the chills. It it was. And then
1: to make my day even brighter, my family that flew home, their flight was E twenty (laughs) one. Oh, I just could not believe that, and they were in the third section. Wow! I was like is crazy
0: yeah and
1: since he's passed away like well he passed away outside in a butterfly garden Mm -hmm. um and that was the good thing about us choosing um to take him off support so we got him baptized we got to do everything that we wanted to do with him before we said goodbye um i got to him i got to hold him Mm -hmm. Um, and we got to take all the time we wanted with him wow um yeah. So that, that was the best thing about it. So the
0: the hospital lets you, um, let him pass away in a garden.
1: Yes. So I, um, I held him and part of letting me know I was making the right decision. He was at a hundred percent on his oxygen mm-hmm. before I held him. And the minute I held him, he went down to seventies or eighties, like within a split second. Yeah. Um, and then um we knew we were on time. So we were well, they actually didn't want me to watch the monitors. They wanted mm. me just to hold him and spend time with him. Mm. So our plan was to take him outside and let him pass away outside in their butterfly garden. And they had this chair that was like made out of a, it was like a butterfly shape. Yeah. Um so we actually made it out there. Um I held him for a few minutes, we took out his tube, um, and they turned off the paralytic like a couple hours before, Mm -hmm. and they told me that when they turn off the paralytic, I'll be able to feel him squeeze my hand and move, and then um, they wouldn't let him suffer, they would give him a dose of morphine, Mm -hmm. so they were all gonna be right there with me to make sure he passed peacefully. so his oxygen started dropping and they wheeled me outside in a wheelchair and they were bagging him until we got outside. Mm -hmm. And then we took the tube out and he passed so peacefully. He never moved. He never woke up. He didn't even take a last breath. He, he, he just sleep. He did. And, um, you know, after all that, I told my husband, I felt like maybe he passed away before it. Like I personally feel like the machines were just keeping his body here.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. Um, so, and you know, all the signs were here for, for me anyway. Um, my grandfather that passed away had chronic lung disease also.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I took care of him um, mm-hmm. when he died. Um, so I think that helped me I know understand. that we were making the right decision and that it was time.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this is the, oh my gosh, I could just only imagine. But you yeah, know, what? It, was- it sounds more beautiful than you know, tragic. If you, if you, I know, you know what I mean. Like, it sounds like uh, I'm just so happy that he wasn't in pain or in a bad situation, or even the fact that you know, passing away inside the womb, like where he can't even meet yeah. you and see you or talk to you or hold you. Like that is like tragic because you can't even meet your baby but you actually had you know a few months to be with him and go through those ups and downs by his side you know
1: yeah and i got to hold him and take pictures and videos and i i mean it felt good because i got to do everything i wanted to do with him before i had to let him go
0: yeah
1: and you know, they they gave me all the time I wanted with him. And since he's passed away, I literally have seen nothing but yellow and blue butterflies every single morning. When oh. I go outside and I sit on my porch mm-hmm. and I think of Elisha, I'm swarmed with butterflies really? every single every oh. single day.
0: Oh my gosh. That's he's saying hello to you. No. Oh. So,
1: so I said like I think that's helped me get through these last two months um quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, and like like you were asking, as far as, like, him having Down syndrome, like, mm-hmm. it changed my whole perspective on children being sick. Like, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's something you hear, but not something you see, yeah. you know. And just to know that there's millions of other parents that are going through this, um, you know, it's just, it's heartbreaking. And I kind of wish there was more um, support for everyone.
0: I feel like that a lot of, there are a lot of like families that go through this and a lot of the support is since it's like right after birth, they go through the ups and downs on the hospital, NICU. And then even when they, the baby comes home, there's constant therapy sessions, constant doctor visits, and you got to be careful that, yeah, I mean, the, the support is mostly within the community, like other moms. And, you know, we, I know when I have, questions about my daughter's health, the first thing I do is go on Facebook and ask the group if, you know, is this normal? Has anybody been through this? Or any my any like local associations that I talk to, like, do you guys know anything about this? Cause it's like that is where we're you get the most realist answers, you know.
1: Right. Yeah, but, um,
0: I there are there are and I hate I hate like to say that there are moms that have been through things like like you have that have lost their child at a young age but it happens so often that we know it and i think it's because it's like you know we don't share these stories as much because they're they're sad stories but you know they do have a uh, like hopeful like you said you still see butterflies and you feel good and you're closer to god like there is that silver lining there but it's just like so sad and to even like recognize but you have to recognize that because that's how you get through obstacles you know Right. And, you
1: know, like, um, and I didn't go too much into when he had meningitis, but um, I remember one night when he did have meningitis, he was so sick. I mean, his whole mm-hmm. body was like bruising. Mm-hmm. He was full of fluid. He, he was just awful. And that was the night the doctor stayed in there with us the whole night, which I've mm-hmm. never seen a doctor do. Wow. And they went to hang Epi because they were about to code him. And that's when the doctor told me, you know, these babies don't survive this. And he's probably not going to survive. Do you want to take him off support? I was like, no, I want to pray. You know, I think he's made it this far. Surely he can make it through this. And, you know, we were just on our knees praying. I was crying. And I, I made a video telling Elijah goodbye and praying and asking him to fight. And as soon as they went to hang the epi, his heart rate went from, like, the 70s up to 120. Oh, and they never had to give it to him. So that was another miracle God did for us.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah so, you know, he definitely, Elijah, definitely helped me grow stronger in my faith. And mm-hmm. because of him, I have a whole new outlook on life.
0: Well, I, yeah. um, so I know, so you are still involved in the Down syndrome community, although your son has passed away because, you know, you're doing this podcast with me. Um, I am. Do you have any goals for um, what you want to do with your experience? I mean, for one, you're speaking about it. But what else do you hope to do with what you had to go through?
1: Um, so there's so many things I've noticed as we went through Elijah's journey. Um, but I think the most heartbreaking thing for me learning was um, all the women that get abortions based off of a test that's not even 100% accurate. hmm and I think we all need to bring awareness to that, you know, mm-hmm. like I couldn't imagine if I would have got an abortion, I would have been denied four months with him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I also had friends, um, that told me they had, a, I think a negative, um, test for down syndrome and mm-hmm. their baby came out and had down syndrome. So the test is not accurate.
0: Yeah, no, I, that's true. Um, there are so many false positives there are so many false negatives, (laughs) you know, not, not everything. Cause I mean, look at your experience. The doctors kept telling you all these percentages and uh, he's not going to live. He's not going to make it. This is going to be bad. And then yet Elijah kept coming back and coming back. You know, it's like, you can't always rely. We rely so heavily on doctors, which is, it's like, I mean, we, we need them, they're, they are smart, they are experienced, but at the end of the day, they are not the final answer. It's not always gonna be 100%. You're not guaranteed that. Every single time a doctor says something, doesn't mean that's that's what it is. And yeah. I learned
1: that myself, you know, because when they told us he was gonna pass away the first time, you know, that was my doctor, I believed them, you yeah. know? Like, they're not gonna lie to me, yeah. they, they have to be right, they're a doctor. They went to school, they're smart, yeah. they, know, they know everything, you know? And then after that, I've learned, you know, don't put your faith in men. Put your faith in God,
0: mm-hmm. you know. And
1: it'll go a long ways. You know, I can't tell you how many people we had praying with us, um, our support that we had,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I, I truly believe all the prayers we had and just seeking God helped Elijah fight and helped keep him keep him here as long as we had him. Mm-hmm. And you know, I feel like he had a mission to do here on Earth, and he did it. You yeah. Know? It was his time to go back, and, you know, we had him for a short time, but, God, he changed our life more than I could ever tell anyone.
0: That's so beautiful. And how is your husband and your, the rest of the family doing, like your kids?
1: Um, My kids are, they're doing okay. I have a five-year-old, and she cries all the time for him.
0: Hmm. I have but a five-year-old, too. Yeah, yeah. she
1: cries a lot, um, but I've done so many things for Elijah around our house, so I think that helps her a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I have a teddy bear that I gave to her that has his heartbeat in it, and it has his clothes um, on the teddy bear, so Aww. that's her bear, her Elijah bear. <laughs>
0: that's
1: cute. Um Yeah, I think it's just hard getting children to understand the concept of heaven.
0: Yeah, that's true. So um. That's what I've
1: been working on, and... You know, I think for us, I mean, of course, losing any baby would be unbearable, but this was our first boy, you know, the one mm-hmm. thing that we tried so hard to get and we were mm-hmm. never able to. And Elijah was our first unplanned pregnancy. So it was all, everything with him, was just a shock. Was,
0: he's like, I'm just going to surprise you with all kinds of stuff, mom. <laughs> but yeah. if you, if at the end of the day, you're going to be okay.
1: Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, my husband, when we found out we were having a boy, he literally did a cartwheel and the ultrasound.
0: Mode. Oh my gosh. So, we have two girls and we're trying to have a third. And it's like not working. But if we had another girl, I think my husband would just be like, I'm done. I'm yep. done. <laughs> and
1: after the fourth, he was like, No more. I yeah. give up. Oh, yeah. Like, he will have a grandson one day.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's outnumbered. But,
1: yeah. yeah. But since losing Elijah, um, you know, because we never brought him home, so I still have this urge, like, I want to have a baby. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm done. But I'm hoping, you know, my goal in the next year or two, after I heal and after I take time to myself, I'm hoping that we could possibly foster a baby that has Down syndrome or a child.
0: Wow. I
1: that's, think we're done having kids. Because I don't want to go through the NICU thing again. Yeah. It's too much. It's too much trauma from it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we're done having kids. But um, our kids and me and my husband, we so badly want to have you know Elijah, him mm-hmm. and just you know we were so prepared. We read and we learned. Even our children, they were like looking up stuff about Down syndrome and watching mm-hmm. videos of kids that have Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And they were so excited. Like we really thought they would be sad, but they were so happy.
0: Yeah. It's it does something different with kids. I don't know how to explain it, but like my daughter's just a hundred percent her sister's cheerleader. Like it's just they they just like they don't yeah, so it's just as if your child had different color eyes. It's like exciting, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so so they were they were so happy about that. Um, So we've been talking about hopefully fostering a kid that has Down syndrome um, Mm -hmm. because it's just too much to adopt. It's like fifteen to twenty grand, and you know, I mean, there's kids out here um, that need a foster home. So
0: I'm hoping. It's very interesting that you're that you want to adopt a a child with Down syndrome because you you have the option not to have. A down syndrome diagnosis but you want to and that's important that that says a lot you know
1: and that's why i don't want to get pregnant again because i'm afraid the baby might not have down syndrome
0: and that's <laughs> you're like i, I know. want her you're like i want him or her to have down syndrome
1: <laughs> yeah i'm just i'm so invested in it and yeah. i've gotten so close with all the women in my group and mm-hmm. i just i feel like i was part of this sisterhood that was so strong mm-hmm. and now it's just like nothing, you know? So I just, I have so much to give and I had so much to give to Elijah and him having down syndrome and I prepared and I read and I studied and like, I thought I had it down. Mm -hmm. Um, so hopefully, you know, in the future we can give our love to a kid that needs it.
0: So if you go back (laughs) into some of our podcast interviews, we did interview a woman, her name was Taylor and she, um, she was like a theater teacher. She taught like special needs um, uh, people like theater. And she went to like the National Down Syndrome Adoption Network. And she actually like applied and it took her like, just like not even a month until she got matched with the family. And she took, she could go back and try to find her story. It's like one of the very first episodes, but
1: she talks wow. about
0: her experience about adopting a child with Down syndrome, like a baby, a newborn baby. I think he was only a few weeks old. And um, she said that, that you know, just she, she just goes into depth about it, which might be a little bit interesting to you about, and she even talks about the process on what she had to do, like how you can filter out certain things, um, like, you know, if you want medical issues or not, you know, things like that. Um, I know when I went to look at the website, I like Googled it. Um, I saw the price range was like fifteen thousand to twenty thousand, yeah. but I I don't know. I think you can actually like get, get help with paying for that, or I don't know the financial logistics of it. But it's if you ever did want to check it out, you could listen to her story and maybe jot down a few things that might help you because you know she did it, and it, it's an. It's a really amazing journey, you know, and you are helping yeah. a child.
1: Yeah. When I get ready, I'll definitely look into that. Yeah. Um, and there's so many kids out here, you know, that don't get adopted just because they have Down syndrome. Oh, yeah. If so really I wanted to foster, yeah. and, you know, we fostered, we could have probably more than one at a time,
0: yeah. you know? Yeah. My, my aunt was a foster parent and we I grew up with a bunch of kids that came in and out um, that she helped them and stuff in our house.
1: So amazing. One of Elisha's nurses, when I was pregnant and in the hospital with him, she told me that her husband's dad, so her father-in-law, adopted nine children from a brain that had Down syndrome.
0: What? Oh, my gosh. Wow.
1: He was actually, she told me he was a lawyer for child abuse and child neglect cases, mm-hmm. and so um, he kept getting these cases over there, and he just kept adopting them.
0: Oh, my gosh. That would be like yeah. a dream. I mean, I would do the same yeah. thing. Yeah,
1: and I don't know what it is, and me and my other friends have talked about this, but for whatever reason, Ukraine has a lot of children that have Down syndrome, and mm-hmm. I guess over there they don't keep them or they don't want them or it's shameful. Mm -hmm. I'm not for sure. I've
0: never heard of that. I know there are definitely different countries. I talked to um, a woman in Nigeria who were very the same thing. They thought that the child with Down syndrome was like witchcraft and they would like literally keep their, if they had the child, they would keep them hidden from the community or they would kill them. And so, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, they were, like, super spiritual, so they would try all these healing practices thinking that, like, if they did these chants and these rituals that the child would magically, like, not have Down syndrome. So, That's so crazy. Yeah, it's, if you she's uh, she's on the podcast, too, like, if you wanted to check it out. But, um, yeah, it's just shocking. It is so shocking to hear some of these stories. And it's just like, you know, I'm glad that you're taking that step to want to help a child. That's not a biological child, you know?
1: Uh, and, you know, like I was saying earlier, like, you know, even the doctor wanting us to have an abortion. It's like, why are doctors even recommending stuff like this? Yeah. If it's not affecting the mother, you know, it's my son. I love him. I'm not I'm That wouldn't even come into mind, you know, yeah. just because as a medical issue. And I think it's really unfair. Um, to the babies that do have down syndrome and get aborted because their parents want a perfectly healthy baby yeah
0: like it's just selfish i mean it's very selfish um yeah and but i mean i don't want to like like give any kind of um like reason for it besides just saying like people just don't they're not educated they don't know i because i know that at one point i wasn't educated i didn't know anything about down syndrome you know so it's just you just gotta start educating people like hey people with Down syndrome are amazing and they have these beautiful lives and they're capable of everything. You got to be the one to help them, you know, not just give up on them. You got to be the one to, you know, teach them to read and teach them to walk. And, you know, they are capable of it. It's you as right. a parent or a teacher or a caregiver or whoever to make that initial step to want to help them, you know. Because, I mean, yeah, a child's only going to grow up to what you're limiting them to. If there are no limits, they're of course going to advance. But if you're limiting your child to, you know, a certain thing, or you're not putting in the effort, of course they're going to be limited. And that's with any child, right? So, yeah,
1: I've seen videos of teenagers and grown adults that have Down syndrome, and I don't see them any different than my kids that I have at home. You know, yeah. they're plenty capable of doing everything that a typical child can do. They just need, you know, a little extra time. You mm-hmm. know, and that's okay. You know, I might not have a baby that walks when he's supposed to, like the books say, you mm-hmm. know, but he's eventually going to walk, yeah. you know. And if I always felt like if we worked with him and we did all the therapy and everything they wanted us to do, he would succeed.
0: Yeah. You yeah. Know? I mean, he, yeah, the behavioral and the therapy. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, Elijah, T he was here for a good chunk of time for his life and he he made his presence known. You know, he he still seems like
1: he does. Yeah. And then NICU, like everyone was so close with him. They actually, um, the hospital he was at, CHKD, um, they donated a burial plot for him. Yeah. So we had that donated to us, which was amazing.
0: That's nice of them. Yeah. I'm so like, oh, you've changed my morning. I feel so like... (laughs) I don't feel sad. I just feel like, oh my gosh, that is such a good story. And he, it's, it I mean, I, it's not like a good story that he passed away, but it's a good story to share with people. And I, like, I wish he was here for you, but I also am happy to see that you are making the most out of what was given to you guys. You know, and uh, you, we
1: are—we're trying to keep. You know, I'm trying as hard as I can to keep his memory alive. I have like a big decal on my car of him that says my t21 warrior and loving memory of elijah Um, so yeah i've i've just been doing whatever i can to remember him
0: and well you're still a part of the community it just because he's not here it doesn't mean that you're done with the down syndrome community you know like you're still as soon as you experience that first diagnosis it's like you're already a part of the (laughs) the community
1: yeah and I've got so close with like in my birth group that I'm in I've got so close with everyone in there and so many moms like and it just it's not me I I don't feel alone because so many moms in my group have lost their babies like the number of us in the group that have lost our baby is just ridiculous and You know, this ain't something you see every day. It's not talked about a lot, but Mm -hmm. several moms in my birth group have lost their babies and several of them are still in the NICU and fighting, Uh, you know, and then several of them are doing just fine, Mm -hmm. you know. So we've all gotten really close and, you know, we've all shared sadness and we've shared happiness and we've shared all these things together. Um, and now I'm in the DSD and infant loss group and I actually on there I started doing my own zoom meetings once a month oh, for good. all of them.
0: good oh my gosh so, that's so good continue to keep doing that you know yeah it's,
1: it's so helpful for me and for the other moms and it helps me a lot to hear their stories you mm-hmm. know and they're all so different and everyone's story different but the same you know yeah. we all have this diagnosis but
0: yeah. Um, and I've learned
1: so much from them too, you know, about down syndrome and all the health issues that come with it. And, you know, everyone, like all my family, when they heard we were having a baby with down syndrome, they were like, you're so lucky, you know, they're so cute. They're so happy. They're so fun. But now like I look at it and that statement just hurts me because it's like, they are cute. They are fun just like any other baby is, Mm -hmm. but you know.
0: They're gonna they trust me. My daughter is the cutest, funnest, but oh my gosh, does this girl have an attitude problem? And she yeah. cries, and she throws fits, and she scratches yeah. me, <laughs> like you know. It's not always
1: fun, you know. Yeah. And a lot of our kids that are born with Down syndrome, they have to fight.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, a lot of them have heart defects and all these other health issues. Yeah, it's not
0: all rainbows, glitters, and and not yeah.
1: like everyone thinks it is.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you shared your story with us. I mean, you made me cry. And I was like, oh, my God, here comes the tears. Here they come. And I'm like, oh, it just touched me so much. I know that. From from love. Yeah. I mean, I could just I mean, I was looking at your pictures and it just reminds me of my little one, too, you know, and I I hope that I can touch base with you again, because in the future, you know, if you do decide to adopt, i want you back on the podcast so we could talk about now you're going to be an adoptive mom. You know, i want to i want to talk about how you're feeling, and even if you don't, you decide not to, i still would like you to come back and just kind of like give us an update on what you're up to, what you're doing, and how how the family is and all that. So definitely uh, that keep be- in touch with me, you know, I'll, I'll save your number too.
1: Yeah, and then um you know, like we had talked about um my TikTok. So I made a TikTok for Elijah because okay. uh, our Facebook page is called Saving Baby Elijah, and I think we have around oh. two thousand followers on
0: there.
1: Oh, nice. So, I mean, moms that have babies with Down syndrome, um, people that were praying for us, just a little bit of everybody.
0: What's your and, TikTok? So, if anybody's um, on here.
1: Saving Baby Elijah okay. is the TikTok. Okay. Um, So, yeah, my kids wanted to start a TikTok because they were on there and they kept seeing this little baby that had Down syndrome. And they were like, Mom, we got to share Elijah with the world. I'm like, "Okay, great. We'll make one. So we made one and everyone from Facebook came over and joined us. And I shared my story on there. Um, But then when Elijah passed away, um, one of the nurses took a video of me holding him while he was on the ventilator. Mm -hmm. And um, I decided to share that. Because, you know, I I shared the good and the bad with everyone. So I felt like, you know, all these people that love and care for Elijah, like I do, Mm -hmm. you know, they deserve to be a part of his last moment. So anyway, I shared that video and I think all my other videos had like a thousand views or something. Mm -hmm. Um. My cousin called me the next morning before she got on her flight um, for his funeral, and she was like, "Have you seen your TikTok?" I was like, "No, why?" <laughs> She's like, "Get on there right now!" And I got on there, and there was like 1.2 million views.
0: Oh, wow. wow! Yes,
1: so the whole world knows about Down syndrome and Elisha from yeah. that one. You
0: know? So yeah, they're at least aware and raise interest in it. You know, it's yeah. just amazing
1: yeah, I didn't think that our video would go viral and I wasn't planning on it. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, wanted to share with everyone, um, my last time holding him and, you know, spending time with him. Um, so that was pretty amazing. So his, his life, um, you know, changed a lot of people.
0: He's like, um, one he's lady- like, I already met 1.2, um, billion people. Okay. In four <laughs> months. So, <laughs>
1: right. One lady, she even, um, named her kid after him
0: oh my gosh yeah and then
1: a couple moms reached out to me and they actually told me that they were gonna get an abortion because they found out their kid had down syndrome Uh and they decided not to because they followed
0: elijah's story wow he saved some lives yeah it's just
1: his his life has just been so amazing and nothing but love and joy came from elijah and his story and you know, it brought us all together, praying on our
0: knees for him. Yeah. You know, it's just such a blessing it because it, when you, you're a mom, you want your child to make a difference and be, you know, grow up and reach people. And he, he did that in such a short yeah. period of time with his unique story. And I know people are listening to this right now. I'm probably going to go check it out and are probably crying too. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I mean? But happy tears, happy tears. It is. So and I've
1: posted, um, since then I've posted videos of his service and, um, like my uncle carried him and oh, that video is so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and we did his service in yellow and blue. Oh,
0: so it was
1: so beautiful. And then, um, the birth group I'm in, um, one of the ladies that runs it—I don't want to share her name—but yeah. she paid for us to have a photographer at his funeral, and the lady that she was going to pay to do it, um, she heard our story and she actually did it for free.
0: Oh, good! That's so nice. Yeah, the people coming it together.
1: We—I mean—we have been so blessed with everyone, so
0: it's been amazing. Well, I'm so happy to hear that, again you know, I just, I'm so happy that you got to talk to me this morning because you made my morning so much better. (laughs) Like, you know, I mean, not, Uh not, I wasn't having a bad morning, but I mean, like you just made me feel so much more like, like just stronger, like in, like you, even in my faith, you know, like, wow, you know, this is another story that is just proving, you know, that there is a higher power and that (laughs) the strength of, the strength of even love is real, you know, and, I hope you see butterflies all the time, always, every day, until you know. if t- I, I think of Elijah, yeah, I hope I hope know? they're around you all the time. So, I mean, they it, probably already are, but
1: he did. I mean, you hear them miracles, but it's not often you see them. You and know, he's just
0: so cute. I'm gonna I'm gonna share some of the photos, and do, would you mind if I if people like maybe that are listeners that want to reach out to you, can they reach you on Facebook? Yeah, that's
1: that's okay. I'm, you know, I've always been open to everything about Elijah. So,
0: yeah.
1: you know, uh, I know it's harder for other parents that have lost their kids, but I've been always so open to sharing his life and sharing his story just mm-hmm. because he meant that much to me. And, you know, I'm not afraid to tell anyone about him and how beautiful he was and how great he was and everything. And um, I actually, um, Most of his stuff I donated to local moms um, that like received a birth diagnosis that are still pregnant. So Mm -hmm. we were very fortunate that we were able to, um, you know, help some other families out in our grief.
0: Yeah, that's true. You guys really did turn something um, that was sad into something uplifting. You definitely did. So thank you very much. And your story is just amazing. And. Thank you. You know, I, I can't wait to publish this and let everybody hear it. And I just want to thank you again. And you touched me.
1: I, everyone. I told them we we're going to do a podcast about Elijah's story. And they're like, we can't wait to hear it. We're so excited. Yeah.
0: It's going I was like, I don't know how I'm going to fit everything in this short. <laughs> no, it's fine. We, um, it, I mean, I just wanted, I could talk to you all morning, <laughs> but uh, I know we do have to end it. So, um, yeah. So if you guys want but to reach out to Nikki, you're under Nikki Brown. Just, um, yeah. Nikki, on Facebook. And, yeah. N-I-K-K-I. And, that, that's uh, spelling.
1: And Elijah's page on Facebook is called Saving Baby Elijah. And that's going to be the title of my book. Um, me and my husband's best friend are going to work together to write a book about him. Good. Um, he, he's a college professor and he's into writing and stuff. So I'm hoping in the next couple of years, we'll have that going. Um,
0: That would be very helpful too, for other women to have that kind of, you know, tangible, something tangible they could read and
1: Right. Yeah. He's such a miracle. Um, but yeah, thanks again for talking with me and crying with me.
0: (laughs) I've never cried with anybody before on podcasts. It was a, it was a good, it was a good feeling though, because you know, I could just, I'm a mama too. I'm a mom and I'm had a child through NICU. So it did bring back all those feelings and it also brought back awareness and it's October. So we're celebrating this.
1: Yes, and it's Down Syndrome Awareness Month and it's also Infant Awareness
0: Month. Oh. Infant awareness. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yes. Yep. Well, what a perfect mother- time to share your story. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you for having oh, me. Thank you so much Nikki and um uh, everybody like I said follow Nikki and check out their TikTok and I will definitely tag you. I don't know if you have an Instagram, but
1: Oh, it's called Save-
0: Elijah. <laughs> okay, I will check you out on Instagram and I'll tag you when we post these episodes. This episode. Okay,
1: I can't wait to share
0: them. Thank you. Thank you so much and have a, a beautiful rest of your October. And, you know, I can't wait to keep up um, with you and, and talk to you again. Nikki, are you there? Oh, no, I think she cut out. Okay, I'm going to end it. Oh my gosh, you guys. I feel so humble right now. Like, I just. That is is the most beautiful story I've ever heard, and I I can't wait to share these pictures with you guys so you can see um, how beautiful he is and how cute he is. And I want to share the smiling one too with his little beanie. So I want to post those soon. And thank you guys for spending this episode with us on the Talk Down Center podcast. And until next time, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Hey guys, I just wanted to add before you guys um, leave this episode that after the interview, I talked to Nikki, and she let me know that they are currently taking donations to pay for baby Elijah's headstone, and um, they wanted to let you guys know that if anybody's willing to donate, that there is a GoFundMe page created, which I'm going to post on uh, the Instagram, so you guys can see that. Or if you guys wanted to buy a shirt, they did have um, these custom-made shirts that are in memory of baby Elijah, and I will post the link to purchase a shirt as well, and the proceeds will go to a headstone for the baby. So if anybody is willing to help out a little bit, help this family, um, all the information will be posted on Instagram, and they just want to let you guys know thank you so much, and the family definitely appreciates it. Okay, thank you guys. Have a good day, and we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the talk. Down Syndrome Podcast.